Hello and welcome to another episode of Crusher Talk with your hostess, Haley Crusher Kane. I am recording from our house in San Luis Obispo, California, in a room that was once our makeshift music studio and is now sort of an office. It's completely empty except for a desk, a painting that Dr. Kane made of a freeway overpass that is actually quite beautiful, much more beautiful than you would think a freeway overpass should be, a framed uh, painting we found at a thrift store of a beautiful ocean scene, um, a electric guitar, Telecaster, my bike helmet, and an iron and an ironing board. So basically I'm in an empty echoing room right now and um, just getting a little bit of work done and it occurred to me that it's Tuesday and Tuesday is Crusher Talk Day and I'm excited to get back to it and to go into my segments. So let's just like do it. Okay, first Crusher verse headlines. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys are familiar with the app Nextdoor. Uh, it's like basically a way to keep tabs on your neighborhood, but it has basically slowly uh, landslided into paranoid white people basically concerned about everything happening around them to the point where it's actually quite hilarious and also very sad. So I actually don't really even get my next door alerts anymore, especially for San Luis Obispo, because I don't care if somebody saw a suspicious person in a hoodie walking by their house. I think that's <laughs> self-explanatory. Um, but I will say one time that the things I do like about next door is when there's animal stuff, not when there's like missing cats and dogs, that's sad, but there was one time there was an albino squirrel and there were photos of the albino squirrel and people were posting about keep an eye out for the white squirrel. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. But um, actually, right now, the big hubbub is that there is a mountain lion that is prowling around our neighborhood in San Luis Obispo. And there's actually a video of the mountain lion, quote unquote, playing with a neighborhood dog. And if you Google San Luis Obispo mountain lion, you will see it. And it is very disturbing because we have a dog door and our little chihuahua and chihuini go out and pee in the middle of the night. So, but it does kind of make life a little bit more interesting. Um, I was recently hiking the Irish Hills area behind the house. And when I got back, my husband so kindly told me, that there had been like a bunch of mountain lion sightings um, on that trail. And it's one of those things where, you know, you're not, the mountain lion might see you, but you are not going to see that thing. You're just not going to see it. Like the great white shark might see you, but you're not going to see the shark. Like that is just the mystery of nature and we all have to just accept it. And hey, it's spicing up, you know, everyday life in suburbia in this quiet cul-de-sac I'm thinking a lot about the mountain lion. Um, okay, other Crusher verse headlines. Fimo clay. Fimo clay is the best. I used to play with it a lot with my dad when I was little. Um, it's basically that clay that's really squishy and it's white. And it comes in these little tiny um, little blocks, little cubes. I guess you can get it in different colors too. Um, but we just got the white stuff. Um, Dr. Kane and I have purchased a large box of Fimo clay and we're creating with it and it's really fun. We're making little figurines and basically this clay, um, you want to bake it and then it becomes, you know, 
basically fired. Um, so yeah, we've been playing with Fimo clay and that's just been really playful and fun. And I'm remembering how much I liked it and it's so tactile and it's just like, it's just a fun, you know, when you get back into coloring or you get back into, you know, if you haven't played with color in a long time and you suddenly play it with some oil pastels or go to one of those stupid wine and painting classes that they have, it's really just beautiful because we all forget what it's like to just have time to play. And as children, we just draw and we paint and we make music and we make stories and poems and little tiny clay figurines. And so it's just fun to get back to that. Um, also on the Crusher verse headlines today, I did write a new song and I feel very inspired by being back in California. I think the thing about being in California after being in Detroit for about eight months is it's a lot of contrast. It's not unlike going in a refreshing pool and then going into a hot tub um, and then going back to the pool and the pool might be kind of cold and you might be shivering, but then you go back to the hot tub and that's nice. And it's just these two very different elements coming together to kind of rattle my brain and wake up my insides. And I think that's partly why I have been writing actually up quite a bit lately because the album Modern Adult Kicks, our latest album, as you know, is out. And once an album is out and the promotion is done, I feel this sense of like, like a really big sense of like breathing out and just relaxation and just being like, it's done. And then two days later, I'm like, let's write a new record. So I have been writing, but I, I just feel like this is the first song that I've written just like really spontaneously. Like I didn't sit down. I wasn't like, I'm going to write a song right now. Like it just kind of came to me in a spontaneous way. And those are always really magical moments. I would say She Drives is a song that came out like that. I was in a bathtub in my friend's house in Ventura and the entire song basically came to me and I sang it into the phone and it like the lyrics, everything came to me. And, um, this was sort of a similar experience the other day. So that was kind of fun. I enjoyed that. I don't know if that is interesting to you guys, but, um, you know, whenever I get asked about songwriting, it's such a mystery. I mean, sometimes it is very calculated and other times you just feel like the clouds are parting and somebody is smiling down at you and the muses are smiling at you. And it's very rare that it happens. So I'm going to relish it and shout it from the rooftops. Okay. Next up. Um, Let's see. Okay, so I've been reading some books lately. I just read uh, Jeanette McCurdy's book, I'm Glad My Mother Died, uh, which is <laughs> the best title of a book. She's actually holding her mother's urn and smiling on it. Um, if you don't know who Jeanette is, she is in an ex-child star. She was like a Disney Channel, or no, I'm sorry, Nickelodeon child star. And although I'm a little too old to have watched the show that she was on, which was called iCarly, um, I I look at someone like Jeanette and I see in her story, you know, women like Britney Spears. And those are girls that I can connect to that I grew up with. And we literally grew up together. And you see how they were mistreated and controlled and on one hand put on a pedestal and told that they're sexuality or their humor or their talent or whatever is this powerful force, but on the other hand, being sort of 
you know, backhanded by that and it being, you know, a negative, it being too, too much power for these, these women. And, um, Jeanette talks a lot about her experience as a child star and how her mother really used her to fulfill her own dreams. And I think that is a story that's very common. It's not like it's revolutionary, but, um, the way that she writes about it and her just complete denial her whole life that anything was actually wrong until her mother eventually does pass away from cancer, which is, you know, she's definitely sad about that. This isn't a book that's, you know, like it's, it's a rev, the title is irreverent on purpose and it's eye catching on purpose. But of course the, the content of the book is so much more nuanced than the title. Um, but, but she kind of comes to the realization that she has been living this, totally crazy, weird Truman show kind of life. And it's just interesting to see how she comes to that. It is kind of a depressing book, but I found it interesting and kind of empowering in the sense that, you know, you don't hear about a lot of these stars stories. And, you know, I recently listened to a podcast about Drew Barrymore, um, and her upbringing. And I, I had known things about her upbringing, but, it's just interesting when you see people that come through the other end and they're and they are resilient and they are joyful and they are creative and it's just kind of amazing to see. Um, the other book that I've been enjoying lately, I got on Audible. I'm listening to it as an audiobook. is called Feral City. I do not remember the name of the author. It is written by a trans man who basically talks about vanishing New York and the people and places that he is watching go by the wayside. Um, starting in, I think the early two thousands or maybe mid two thousands and leading up to the pandemic. And then there's this really amazing description of like what New York was like during the pandemic, during the lockdown of 2020 and how it affected the newcomers and gentrification that was coming into the city. Suddenly those, that element that had been kind of growing in force for many years basically ran for the hills and ran to Connecticut and ran to their fancy places in Vermont or whatever, or, or wherever vacation homes they had. And he talks about how kind of the weirdos and the outsiders of the city were kind of able to take the city back. It also touches on like the BLM protests and like being in New York during that time. And although this was only a few years ago, it does feel like historic ground. It does feel like the kind of stuff we're going to be thinking about, reading about, dissecting for years to come. So it's this sense of this historical, this historical relic and this slice of life, but also it feels really now, it feels really real. And I think all of our cities are going through this weird homogenization of like downtown, where every downtown has the same juice bar, has the same you know, Starbucks and all this stuff. I mean, obviously this has been happening for a long time since the nineties, but it is one of those things that is becoming more and more kind of freaky. And as someone who is in my mid thirties, you know, moving to a city that is traditionally not a very white city, wanting certain things in my own community and feeling like, wow, how much of my presence is the problem and how much of me being in this community is gentrification. It's just interesting. I feel like it makes me check myself a little bit. So I lately I've been liking to read stuff that is just a little bit more challenging to my own perceptions of reality and like 
I don't know. I'm just like in that, like hungry for growth, hungry for, you know, learning, coming up against my own limitations. Like I want to be challenged. I want a book to be snarky and I want a book to tell me, to remind me, you know, that there are, have been, and always will be people that came before me. And just because I want the green juice bar doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get it or that you should get it. So that's Feral City. Um, just Google that. You'll find it. I just, I'm really enjoying it. And the writing is very poetic. It's very prose. It's very intimate. So if you're into all those kind of things and you also like a little bit of sociology, a little bit of human, uh, what am I trying to say? Human, human studies, <laughs> I don't know, psychology in your, in your books and you like realism, then you will may, may like this because it's all about what is happening now and over the past few years. Um, okay, Craveworthy. So lately I have been really into making a very simple chimichurri sauce. I know that chimichurri, basically the traditional chimichurri sauce is going to have uh, parsley and garlic and lemon juice and oil and then some dash of acid. But basically what I want to encourage you guys and what I have been doing over the past like six months is whenever I have a leftover kind of wilted handful of arugula basil, um, oregano, really any sort of green leafy herb, even a green onion is fantastic. Um, when you have a leftover bunch of that and you're going to throw it away, but like, you don't really need to throw it away cause it's not bad yet, but you're like, I'm not going to use this. Dump it in your blender. I have a Ninja blender. Um, but I also have a food processor. Either one works. Dump that in there with some good olive oil or like subpar olive oil. It doesn't really matter, but you know, if you got good olive oil, use good olive oil, a couple squeezes of lemon, throw in some garlic to taste. I like a lot of garlic. So I do about two or three cloves, but you could get away with one clove and then see what happens. Um, you're going to, you know, blend it all up and add a little salt and pepper. If you want to, it's going to be this vibrant, delicious green flavor. And as for the texture, it can run from kind of like a little watery to like more oily, depending on how much vinegar you put in there, how much olive oil. So you can kind of like, you can kind of like make it to your own specifications. I like recipes like that, but I've been making this just really pungent, really vibrant, really green chimichurri. And what I've really enjoyed it on lately is on smashed potatoes, which are basically, I'll tell you, they're high maintenance potatoes is what they are. I mean, they're easy in one sense that they seem very, very fancy and yet they aren't, but they do take several steps. So first of all, you're going to get very small potatoes. You're going to get like, um, little gold potatoes. You could also use like red potatoes. I wouldn't do like a purple potato for this one for some reason. I just don't think it's going to work the same way. You want like a little gold potato, like you know, like a smaller one, like the ones that are about the size of a golf ball or smaller, those little baby ones. And you want to boil those until they are fork tender. So just like, boop, put a fork in there. If, if they come right out, then you're ready to go. You want to strain them and wait for them to cool enough to where you can just handle them with your hands. Um, turn your oven up to about 400, get a nice base of olive oil on a pan, on a sheet pan. Don't need to put anything down first. You could do tinfoil if you do want to like, just not worry about the mess, but I feel like it's, it's going to work better just directly on the pan. You could also do olive oil on a cast iron skillet. If you like, basically the point of this 
situation is once the little potatoes are cooled, you're going to put them on the oiled pan and you're going to take a fork and just lightly smash down on the potatoes so that it becomes sort of a sphere, like a, like a flattened sphere, flattened disc. Um, they can be a little bit messy um, and they kind of explode. So you're going to like press down with your fork to kind of create this little, this little mound of potato that's going to be about a half an inch thick or maybe an inch thick. I don't know. Just smush it down. Okay. Then you're going to put your garlic powder, salt and pepper on there. You don't want to put real garlic on it at this juncture. And the reason is it's going to burn in this hot oven with this hot oil. So garlic powder is actually ideal. I like to use Jocko's seasoning, of course, um, from Jocko's in Napomo, the most amazing steakhouse in the world. So you want to put that on there and then you're going to drizzle a little bit more olive oil on there and you're going to put them in the oven for about 20 minutes. So basically the skin um, underneath that potato is just going to really get crispy, almost like a glass, like shattery vibe. So when you put your fork into it at the end of the, this whole situation, you're going to get that fluffy potato on the inside, that crispy potato on the outside, because you put oil on the top of the potato too, and that really nice brown crispy under skin on the potato. You know, you're going to want to put a generous helping of salt at the end. And if you do want garlic, which I like, I actually do a mixture of butter and fresh garlic that I just nuke in the microwave. And I brush that on the potato about maybe like 20 seconds before I'm going to really take them out and let that kind of glaze over it. And then you want to put the smashed potatoes on a serving dish. You want to serve them right away because as we all know, like a fried potato is just not going to be good once it starts cooling. You really want it to be like almost like a French fry kind of situation. So I keep saying situation a lot. I don't know why. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> like I hate when I notice that about myself. So then you take them out and put that beautiful green, fresh, verdant um, chimichurri sauce and just drizzle that onto your potato. And not only does it look so fancy, so pretty, you could even put a little pool down on your plate and kind of drag it across the plate and then place your potatoes and veggies around it. But it's like pretty simple. Like you're basically just blending what you have in your fridge, garlic, lemon juice, herbs, oil, and vinegar. And you are drizzling it over this just fancy bougie potato. That is my craving worthy for the week. So hopefully you guys can try that. I mean, it's, it's not that difficult, but it does make you look fancy. Um, okay, quality thought of the week. We're moving right along. Um, my quality thought of the week is to be the person that your dog believes you are. Now, we all know that we're never going to live up to what our dogs think we are because our dogs always think that we are curing cancer and kissing babies and literally saving people's lives on the daily, like... Our dogs think the most of us. They think we are superhuman. They love us unconditionally. Even if we did nothing all day except like change our underwear and our socks, our dogs look at us like you are the most amazing person in the world. Now, I, I like this idea of being the person your dog thinks you are, not in the sense that you have to be perfect or you have to be superhuman, but that you are great just the way you are and that you can take a little bit of that unconditional love from your dog and put it onto yourself and 
just know that somebody out there thinks the world of you. And it doesn't matter if that little someone is a tiny little chunky chihuahua or a little chewini or a big labradoodle or the weird mutt I saw in Petco the other day, which looked like a Queensland healer mixed with a bulldog. It doesn't matter what the breed is. Just remember you are awesome the way you are. And um, yeah, don't forget to pet those dogs and love on all those furry little critters. So that is my audio journey for the week. And I will talk to you guys next week. Have a lovely day. Toodaloo.